Amen. You may be seated. It is my distinct privilege to introduce you to one of my very good friends and mentors in my life. I've known Jesse Crouch for, since I was a, a child. Literally, you're an old man, Jesse. <laughs> Jesse actually married Connie and I. He officiated the wedding for us almost 36 years ago. That really makes you feel old, doesn't it? And uh, he has been an important part of my life. And Jesse is coming today. He's going to give us an introduction to the book of Revelation because he will be teaching the uh, seven churches in Revelation beginning tomorrow from noon to three, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday in our fall Bible uh, conference. And so I know that you'll want to make a point to be here from noon to three starting tomorrow. Bring your, your sack lunch and come listen to Jesse Teach. Jesse is the... The, uh, senior adult minister at First Baptist Church, Rockwall, Texas. He's got over a thousand senior adults in his ministry, and uh, he is an awesome man of God, and I can't wait for you to get to hear what he's going to teach us today. So, Brother Jesse, you come and share Thank with you. us, please. I was actually 18 when I performed that wedding ceremony. One of my very first ones that I ever performed. Thank you for letting me be here with you today. Thank you, David, for inviting me. Everyone knows your success is sitting right there behind you, your mother and your sister. And you are who you are because of them. Yes, and a few hard knocks along the way, I'm sure. But anyway, great family. Uh, David and I do go way back, and I don't want to take a lot of time to do that. We go way back to a little church, uh, not a little church, but a church at Bethany Baptist over in southeast Dallas. And his mother brought those three kids to church. And she kept bringing them to church, and she kept bringing them to church. And the Lord got a hold of David and Carrie and Ricky, but really David, and just really began to groom his life uh, to serve him as a servant. And he has uh, truly done that. Uh, you're going to find a lot of people in ministry, and a lot of us are just in the ministry. But David's really in the ministry. He really loves people. He loves the Lord most of all. Uh, he always is seeking what's God's will for his church's life and his life. And uh, he's just, uh, uh, he didn't ask me to brag. Uh, he didn't, I'm not, he didn't ask me to come brag about him, but I'm telling you, he, he's a great guy. And you have a great staff, uh, Jason and, and Robbie and, every, and uh, Tori and that lead out in this church. And uh, the amazing thing is, is y'all are following them, and that's what's wonderful, you know, and, uh, and, and God is blessing as you follow them, and the community is being reached, and uh, you can't get anything better than that. We are going to look this week at the book of Revelation. It's the last book. If you want to turn there in the Bible, uh, over right by maps, if you can go as far as maps and then turn back left just a little bit, you'll find the book of Revelation in uh, uh, the English Standard Version, which I'm reading from today, that the title of this book is The Revelation to John. If you have an NIV version, it just says The Revelation. Uh, and for the next three days, we're going to look at this and, and discover how we as Christ's disciples can uh, take what he says to the seven churches over 1,900 years ago and use it in our walk with the Lord today. I want to go ahead and read that passage of Scripture to you. Uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that word of can mean from or about, but it really means both. It was from Jesus Christ, but it is about Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. 
He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and keep what is written in it, for the time is near. In August of 1995, a long time ago, I experienced a revelation which changed my life. My, I was on my way to the first grade, and my mother set me down and explained to me as best she could that my name was not Sandy. I had no idea what she was talking about. My granddad nicknamed me Sandy. Shortly after I was born, I suppose, all I had ever known was Sandy. As, uh, my family called me Sandy. My friends called me Sandy. Uh, the only name I knew was Sandy. And I had learned to spell it, S-A-N-D-Y. I had learned to scratch that out because I was going to the first grade. And then my mother revealed to me what had been hidden in my past, a mystery, if you will, when she said, when you go to school, they aren't going to call you Sandy. They're going to call you Jesse. I'm telling you, that's what's wrong with me today. Honestly, that's what's wrong with me today. It's still affecting me emotionally. Uh, it's, I, it's just warped my personality. Anyway, so, amen. <laughs> Thank you, Brother David. Yes. So I learned to print. I had learned to print Sandy and thought I was ready for school. But when I sat down in the first grade, Mrs. Collins had put my name plate on, my, on the table there, J-E-S-S-E. -S -S -E. And I had to learn to print that. I had no clue how to print Jesse. But she had carefully done that for me. And when the roll was called, she called the name Jesse. And the kids in the class called me Jesse. So what happened to me on that summer morning is a working definition of what a revelation is. It's a disclosure. It's, it's a making known that which hasn't been known. It's a mystery that has not uh, been explained before. It's been hidden. And God throughout his word has given to us revelations of what he wants us to know. Things that at that particular moment that had been hidden in the past, God brought, brings them forth so that we can uh, discover what he wants us to do with our lives and what he wants to do with us through our lives. So the verses that we just read became part of the 27 books of the New Testament uh, in the 4th century. They were written around the 1st century, around 9095 uh, A.D. Uh, they were written. Then some 300 years later, uh, the church fathers, the church uh, leaders put them into what we call the New Testament or the Bible. That they got there. And so as these uh, church leaders uh, began to compile, what, you know, all they had was scrolls. Had scrolls and, and, and other artifacts that, that, to use, but so they began to pull them together into the Bible. And uh, some of them were readily accepted and some were not. And so it, was, it took about 300 years for them to accept the fact that the revelation belonged in the Bible. But anyway, when they put it in there, they gave it a name. And the name comes from the very first word in the Greek uh, text, and that is the word apocalypsi. And so that's where the name comes from. The, that word uh, means disclosure or revelation. And so when they saw that word, they put at the top of the Bible of that book, Revelation. And that's how we got it. It wasn't that God said, name this the revelation. What he's giving to them is a revelation. And so, fortunately for us, and most of y'all won't get this, a few of you might, but fortunately for us, God put names on books. He put chapters so we know which chapters to go to. And then he put verse numbers so that when we do Bible drills, we have a chance at winning. 
No, that's not. So it would make it easy for us to understand. Okay. So God did. So the. So we're blessed that these men did that, so we can keep up with what's going on in the Bible. But the name comes from that very first word in the uh, passage of Scripture, the revelation, and it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. So the the word revelation points to the nature of the letter, the the, the book the letter that John wrote. Actually, Revelation is a letter. We call it a book, but it's a letter. It's a long letter, a very long letter. It's one of the longest. It is the longest letter in the New Testament. And so it's given to us, uh, to, uh, and it's uh, to point out the, the, uh, the nature of not only uh, it disclosing, but also the nature of God. We serve and we live for a God who discloses himself. He's always disclosing himself to us. He's disclosed himself, and it's been recorded for us. We're very fortunate it's been recorded in this book. It's the written revelation. It's not a revelation. It's the written revelation of what God has spoken down through the ages. And so the book, the nature of the book, of the letter, is uh, equally uh, the nature of God. So God's nature is to make himself known to us, and he's always done that. So if you have a Bible, and some of you have uh, iPhones and, and tablets, so you just play like it's a Bible. Pretend. We'll go along with you on this, okay? But us old guys still have Bibles, okay? We still like to hear the pages turn and all that stuff you heard years ago. Okay, but if you have a Bible, I want to tell you, it's not the Bible, but what you hold is the most precious thing of God. What you have in your hand is the most precious thing you'll ever possess in your life. It's not the quality of the cover, and this is a cheap cover, by the way. It's not the quality of the cover. It's not even the quality of the paper. It's what's in it that makes it valuable to us, and it makes it so valuable to us. There's nothing that we'll ever possess in our lives. Young people, you'll have a wealth of books if you go to college, and you'll pay a big fortune for them, but you'll get a lot more out of this than you'll ever get out of a book from college. And there's nothing wrong with college books. That's what I've heard anyway, but I didn't do totally well with them. But it's the most important possession that you'll ever have. The living Word of God, uh, which brings to us through it the opportunity to have an eternal difference made in our lives. That's what this book is all about. So that's what we hold. And the revelation of God begins over here in Genesis, in the very first of this book. In Genesis 1 and 1, it says God spoke the world into creation. That's a pretty big revelation, that God spoke the world into creation. And then it goes all the way over to the end of Revelation in chapter 22 where it says Jesus wins and the devil loses. And we win along with Jesus if we're trusting in him. And that's what this book is about. So for 66 books, God inspired God himself breathed into this book what he wanted put there. And for 66 books, he inspired, depending on what translation you have. I have the ESV's translation, and it has, I think, the least amount. But it has somewhere between 723,000 and 787,000 words that God inspired. Why? So we get to know who he is. That's the whole thing. God inspired every one of those words to reveal himself and his son and his Holy Spirit to us. So that what? So that we can know him intimately. So we can know him closely. So that we can know him warmly. I mean, David and I, believe it or not, we do have a warm relationship. It's kind of hard to see sometimes, but we know each other warmly, you know? In fact, we can know God so warmly that the scripture says we can call him daddy. We can call God Daddy because he's that intimate to us. So I don't care if you came today with a $2.25 paperback version of the Bible. 
If that's what you've got, don't let anybody tell you it's still not the greatest treasure you'll ever hold in your hand. It's the greatest treasure you'll ever hold. So in the Bible is the revelation of God. All God's all so all biblical revelation has God as its author. That means that the unfamiliar book of Habakkuk over here in the back of the the New Te- Old Testament, Habakkuk, Haggai, y'all ever heard of those? Well, they're just as important as this book right here. They're just as inspired as Revelation. God inspired the whole Bible, and they're all important to us. And so God's revelation, whether it's in Haggai, Habakkuk, or whether it's in Revelation, or anywhere in between, it's sufficient. It's sufficient within itself. Uh, And no matter what the title of the book is, it's trustworthy. It's understandable. It's to, God doesn't reveal things to try to trick us. He, get, he reveals to help us understand. And here's the other thing. God's revelation always comes vertically. It comes from him to us. But that's the point of the God. God's revelation comes vertically to us, but it's to be lived out horizontally among us. Why would God, why, that's the way God brought his revelation and manifested it to us. So God brings it to us to tell us what we need to know about him and ourselves so that we can make an eternal difference or an eternal difference can be made in our lives. So in the Bible, there's basically two kinds of revelation. Now, God didn't say this. Theologians said this, okay? They're just trying to help us understand. But there's basically two kinds of revelation. The first one is called general revelation. And from, uh, let me illustrate it this way. Most of y'all don't, most of y'all in here, first time you ever see me in your life. And the and, and best you can tell is I'm just an older guy with some hair left. I did get up the stairs by myself over there, and I was still breathing when I got there, okay? That's about all you know about me. That's very general. That's about all I've revealed to you thus far. Now, your pastor knows me. He knows more about me. I've even chose to reveal to him some things about me that I wouldn't share with you. I have chose to reveal some intimate things about my life that I thought might help him along in his life. Some mistakes I made, he doesn't need to make. And I've made plenty of them. I can get some more I can give to you, you know. But that is general revelation. And so in the scriptures, especially in the Psalms, God makes himself known in a general way that reveals some of the hidden or mysterious things of him behind nature, general grace, and the human conscience. Psalms 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. That's why your pastor stays out there on that blooming lake. He's looking for the Lord's handiwork. He's, he's told me he might go today and check on the Lord's handiwork, see if anything's different. That the Lord declares that generally. Romans uh, 1, uh, 1 verses 20 and 21 from the New Living Bible says, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities through everything that God made, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing him. Nobody has an excuse for not knowing God. He's revealed enough generally that a person can find him. That's why the insurance companies call floods and tornadoes acts of God. They can't be explained any other way. And you cannot explain nature any other way than the handiwork of God. It was God at work. And then the God reveals or expresses, his revelations expressed through common grace to all people. 
When it rains, it falls on the faithful disciple that is trying to lead his neighbor to Jesus Christ who has not yet met him. It falls on the just and the unjust alike, Jesus says. It falls on everybody when it rains. That's God's common grace to all of us. And uh, so God graciously brings rain to all. And then the third thing that the, about general revelation that we do know is that God creates every person with two standard features. We all roll off the assembly line with two of the same things, regardless of our make or model. A God-shaped place in our heart, uh, uh, and a hole in our heart, in our soul, to know a higher being, to know God. Every one of us comes with that. I don't care what model you are or when you came off the assembly line, we all come with that. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He has put eternity into man's heart. And then... He also, the second thing that we all come with is an understanding of right or wrong or a conscience. God puts in every human being a conscience. Micah uh, 6.8 in the New Living Translation again says, The Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you to do what is right, to have love, mercy, and to walk humbly before your God. And in Romans 2 Verse 15, again, from the New, uh, New Living Translation. The, they demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts. Either accuse them or tell them they are doing right. So God's general revelation means that there will be some morally good people in hell. People who never lied, never cheated, never stole from anyone because their consciences wouldn't let them. They won't all be Baptist people, but there will be people like that. There's some people out there who have never been in the door of a church, who have never heard the gospel proclaimed, that have never lied, never cheated, never stolen from that because their conscience won't let them. Well, that, those people, unfortunately, they're not going to heaven. The scripture says they still don't know God. A good conscience only points one to a need for a relationship with God. It doesn't create one. So you have to go beyond that. So general revelation discloses that there is divine and eternal God, but it doesn't reveal how a person is to relate to God. So it's kind of like uh, it, it, it tells us about the artist, but it doesn't set up an appointment for us to get to go and sit down and have lunch with the artist and get to know him or her. It, we only know the artist's work. And that's what general revelation is. So you might be out on Holly Lake this morning fishing on this morning, but you'll only find there, unless God speaks to you, you'll only find the general revelation of God. You'll only find water and flowers and trees and the beauty that God has put there, but you won't find God until he speaks to you. And God reveals himself to you. So don't be saying, I'm going to go find God at the lake. Most likely you're not going to find God Sunday morning at the lake. Because the, he, that's general revelation. So secondly, the Bible talks also about God's special or specific revelation, which is his special word to a particular person or people at a particular time. That's what this letter of revelation is. It's a particular uh, speaking of God through his son, Jesus Christ, to John at a particular time for a need in these people's lives. That's what this revelation is all about. It's a special witness or a special disclosure from God to the disciples in the seven churches that he's speaking to. And they will benefit from what God says, it says in the book of Revelations, if they have ears to hear. 
and follow the Spirit and do what the Spirit says. So special revelation takes us from admiring the, 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 the artist's work in a gallery to actually having lunch with him. That's what it does. So we know his person, not just his product. So that's God's special revelation. We get to know God through it. So God's special revelation, we've already said this, but we need to say it again. God's special revelation is always vertical. It always comes directly from God. It says right here in this opening verse, the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave to him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Hebrews 1.1 says, Long ago at many times and in, at many times and in many ways, that's in the Old Testament, a long time ago in the Old Testament, God spoke to the Israelites, his chosen people, by prophets like Moses, Isaiah, and Jeremiah. That he revealed his personhood. He revealed his will and his expectations. And God sometimes even revealed his judgment through his prophets. But he also revealed these through dreams and visions and angels as well as his spoken word. He even used a finger. He even used a finger to write on the wall over in Babylon of the judgment that the king was going to receive. So God moved that way. So Daniel says, of, uh, told uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, there is a God in, there is a God in who heaven, in heaven who re- uh, reveals secrets. And he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. God even showed King Nebuchadnezzar who wasn't a follower, but he showed him what was going to happen. And this is pretty much how God revealed himself and his will in the days of the Old Testament. And then we come to the New Testament the, the, that we, of, of God's word, of his revelation. And after Jesus Christ came to earth as God in a human shell, God primarily manifested his revelation through Jesus Christ, his son. Hebrews 1, 12, 2, which follows 1, 1. Okay, everybody got that. Hebrews 1, 1 we talked about was in the past. Now Hebrews 1, 2 talks about in the present, in the New Testament. But in the last days... Right now, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. This is the Jesus that the Old Testament prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, talked about. And it's also the Jesus that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the writers of the Gospels, were inspired to reveal as the Messiah or the Christ, the one anointed by the Heavenly Father to be the the Savior or the Liberator of all people, not just His chosen people, but all people. So what happened in the New Testament was we went from chosen people to all people are chosen. And God chose all of us to know Him. And what a blessing it is that Jesus Christ himself, as God's revelation, revealed to us that God loves the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Is there anything more special than that? That is the most special revelation you'll ever hear in my book. I know you shouldn't write revelations, okay? But that's a biggie. That is a biggie that God sent his only son. That he loved us so much that he sent his only son and that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. There's no more precious a revelation. There's no greater revelation than the fact that the living word, Jesus Christ, became flesh and dwelt among us to reveal his glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and glory. So we've been looking at this vertical revelation of God. We've been drilling vertically. 
okay? But you know in the oil business, if you're in the oil business, sooner or later nowadays, you've got to go horizontally. You go horizontally to find the oil. And so that's where we're going. We've been talking vertically about who God is and how he revealed himself. But look at this passage of Scripture again. It says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants. He gave it to show to people like you and me that are following after Jesus Christ, his disciples. And he gave it to them to show them the things that must soon take place. And he made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ. He just simply told what that angel told him and told it to the T. Uh, And he told everything that he saw. And then the scripture says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and keep what is written in it, for the time is near." So God, who we've already determined is known for revelations, gives, his, gives a revelation to his son, the exalted Jesus Christ now. This is not Jesus Christ in the shell, the God shell, man shell. No, this is Jesus Christ, the exalted Christ, who's sitting at the throne of God. God says to him, I have a revelation for you to give to my people to show them how this thing's going to end, how it's going to work out. That's what revelation's all about. How's it going to work out? And they're going to be the winners. That's what he's saying to them. So he gives it to them. So he gives it to Jesus, a revelation that he makes known to his servants, the disciples in the seven churches. A message that's going to prepare them and equip them if they will follow it and and help them as they uh, live in a world that's torn apart, that's torn up by sin and by brokenness. The thing he says, I'm going to help you understand what you need to do to finish the things that must, and finish through the things that must take place. God's revelation begins vertically, but it always has to be lived out horizontally. You got that? We got to get that. You see, uh, this may sound kind of silly to you, but God doesn't need to know his revelation. We do. God's uh, a big word, omniscient. God knows everything. Why would he try to reveal something to himself? He already knows everything. Jesus, God's son, Jesus, he doesn't know, need to know. He's, he is God. So that must mean he knows everything. And the Holy Spirit, he doesn't need to know God's revelation. Why? Well, he is God. So he must know everything. So why does God go to all this trouble for you and me? He's revealing to us what he wants us to know so that we can walk with him through this life because soon things must take place and the end is near. And so that's what he's saying to us. So God's revelation about the things that must soon take place was so vital to these disciples in this particular book that Jesus Christ, who dearly loved them and died for them, employed his angel to get the message from heaven to his servant John so he could share it with them. Now, we don't have time to chase this rabbit, but the word angel is used 67 times in the book of Revelation. Angels are very important to God. And God uses them not to make us feel warm and fuzzy, but to communicate his word to us primarily. So I interpret what's going on here in Revelation 1 through 3. I'm not a theologian, but I just interpret this as being so, what is going on here is so important for these disciples that God pulls out all the stops to get his message to his people. God just pulls out all of them, uh, just as he did when he used the prophets and the angels to announce to his son, uh, to announce that his son would come and die on the cross as a substitute atonement for their sins and for our sins so that we might be right with God forever and ever. So 
What's the revelation that John's to deliver? Well, I think it's just simply this. There's some storms coming. John's message was, there's some storms coming. Because he says it's coming soon. He's not talking. We, we all want to think that that's Jesus is coming again. No, not yet. Not yet. No, not till after the seven churches. No, at the earliest. No, it's not that. There's some storms coming. But then the rest of this revelation says, but there's calm after the storm. And that's what he's trying to communicate to them. The same thing he's trying to communicate to you and me is there's going to be storms in life. And if you're going to follow Jesus Christ, you're going to bump into some rough territory. You're going to be into some rough water. But the storm is coming, is what he's trying to communicate to them. That God's message to Christ's disciples then and now is that no matter how turbulent the waters of a Satan-controlled and broken world become, yes, even persecution and tribulation, which honestly we know nothing about. We have been so favored in this nation by God that we know nothing about persecution and tribulation like these people did. Yes, even with tribulation, here's the deal. All that's going to come, but the disciple isn't to lose hope. That's the point. The disciple isn't to lose hope. Why? Because Jesus Christ has got this. That's the whole deal. So living on a horizontal plane like we all do, we can find comfort in what? Jesus Christ. We find our comfort in Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of the storm. That's who we find comfort in. As Christ's disciples, we have the privilege and the joy of delivering this message to a broken world. That's where the blessing comes in in this passage of Scripture, is delivering the message. It's not necessarily that I escaped persecution and I went in the end. That is a blessing, but the real blessing here is, is to deliver the word. That's what he says here about, about, that, uh, about the word of prophecy. So, what Jesus is saying to these people applies to us. The storm's coming, no, no doubt about it, but that's no time to run to the cellar. The Christian doesn't run to the cellar when the storm comes. The Christian trusts in Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of the storm, and goes through the storm. And he goes through the storm telling people about his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's no time for the disciple today to run and hide. Today is a day for the disciple, for us as disciples to boldly retell the words of the prophecy. And what is the prophecy? Jesus saves. Jesus is Lord. It's that simple. That's what we're to do. And that's where the blessing is. Jesus is Lord and he has the love and the power to save everyone. That's what we need to be telling people. He saved me. He's probably saved you. Most of you probably had that experience. If you haven't, you need to have that experience today. But he saved us. He saved us from a sin, Satan-controlled, broken world. But here's the cherry on top. Not only has he saved us, but after he saves us, he transforms us. That's what this scripture talks about. He transforms us into his likeness so that one day after he defeats Satan one last time, there's one more time for sure, maybe more than that, but there's one last time when he defeats Satan, we will all live and reign with him in what Revelation 20 calls a new heaven and a new earth forever and ever. That's the cherry on top. So for the disciple, this is the blessing of telling people about Jesus Christ is bringing them with you to live in that new heaven and that new earth. So we live with a God who speaks to us vertically and then we do what he says horizontally. It's his followers, it's all for us. God's not just speaking to hear himself talk. 
My wife says I do that all the time. I got accused of that on the way down here a couple times, you know, just always talking to hear yourself talk. God doesn't just talk to hear himself talk. He talks so that you and I will be equipped and, and be motivated to live horizontally like Jesus Christ did. And then near the end of the letter of Revelation, Jesus repeats his promise to these people. And behold, he says, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. We're blessed if we're obedient to God's word. We are blessed if we will just be obedient to his revelation. That's so countercultural. We live in a world where it says create your own revelation. And Jesus said, it's so simple if you'll just follow the book. It's so simple. So today, if you've come here and realized that maybe all you know about God is general. It's just general as it can be. That it's just general. Generally, you know God and you know Jesus Christ. And you would say that God created the, the birds and the butterflies and the flowers. And you know about him generally. But you don't know God specially and specifically. Let me just say to you that God knows you even before you ever were born. Before you ever even thought about being born, God knew you and he loved you and he created you and he knows what kind of storm you're in. He knows the storm you're in. But, that, but along with that, you're very special to him. We're all special to him. And so he says to you this morning, come to him while his spirit is prompting you to do so, to, so that you, when you're going through the storms horizontally, can follow the Lord of the storm. That's all he's saying to us today. So Brother David is going to come now and share with you the next step that you need to take this morning to experience that special revelation of God and his son, Jesus Christ, in your life. Thank you, Jesse. You know, Jesse talked to us about God's revelation to us, his general revelation and his special revelation. And, and Jesse is right. We can, there's no excuse for us not to know that there's God. You can see that in nature and the stars and the moon and the sky. But if you really want to know God, it, the way to do it is through the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. He is God made flesh. He came to this earth. He lived a sinless life. And he died on the cross for your sin and mine. So that you could be forgiven. So that I could be forgiven. So that we can have everlasting life in heaven. And so, whether you've been in church for many, many years like Jesse, or many, many, many years like Jesse, or you're brand new to church, God loves you. He loves you so much that he died for you. His name is Jesus. Would you come and have that special relationship with Jesus this morning? Let's stand together and sing. This is the 